Good morning. Okay. <clears throat> I was listening to myself on the podcast the other day, and I start every Sunday morning with saying okay. I don't know why that is, but it is. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Hebrews chapter 13. Let the love of the brethren continue. That reminds me of a song, like most things remind me of a song. I've told you before, I, I, I can remember songs and I can't remember sermons. Don't tell a preacher. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side, for I'm part of the family, the family of God. You will notice we say brother and sister around here. Because we're a family, and these folks are so near, dear. When one has a heartache, we all share the tears and rejoiced in each victory in the family so dear. The writer of Hebrews, we get to the 13th chapter and he starts being very, very practical. And he's kind of sometimes a loose association, but he, he's coming back to some things that we need to know. And he's, he's been kind of hard on them in some regard you know we, we've talked about apostasy and falling away and and uh, you know if you neglect so great salvation and and don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together and then he gets here and he says uh, in verse 1 let love of the brethren continue so he knew there was love there <clears throat> it's not it's not uncanny. It's just the way uh, the Lord works. We've all been around different places, different countries. And when you meet another brother in Christ, you know it. Uh, it just right quick, you develop kin with them. Uh, <clears throat> we've gone around and everywhere we've gone you know we find some people that love love the Lord uh, <clears throat> I've teased Velta uh, she never meets a stranger uh, I don't have that gift she'll come back from Goodwill and says you don't know who I met in Goodwill today <laughs> and she'll talk to them and, and they're so and so and and one of her first words, you know, when she meets him, have you got a church? You know, I'm not quite that bold, but uh, <clears throat> let love of the brethren continue. And then he follows up in verse 2 here. He says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Uh, Art and I both have told you from the very beginning of, of Hebrews, 
you need to keep it in context. You need to understand what the context of this is. Now, it's totally different from where we are, are today. You know, it wasn't as much when I was growing up, but it's very prevalent today. The term, don't talk to strangers. <laughs> don't, don't get involved in strangers. And there's reason for that, and I understand that. Uh, <clears throat> but the context of this one verse, we need to understand. I've asked Sandra to read what Chuck Swindoll has said about this. You can turn that button on if you want to, Sandra, please. <clears throat> Guthrie places this exhortation for showing hospitality toward outsiders in its historical context. In the environment of the early church, it was essential since alternative facilities for travelers were such that Christians would not choose to use, make use of them. Wayfarers' hostels where they existed were notoriously for immorality, but the New Testament concept of hospitality has a much wider application than this. In the Middle East, hospitality is a means of fellowship. To invite a person to a meal is to extend fellowship to him. Think about that. You're a traveler on a dusty road toward a remote destination, weary, exhausted, hungry, and in need of some relaxation. All your overnight options in the present city will keep you tossing and turning with one eye half open, or they will tempt you toward immorality. What are you to do? Suddenly a man and his wife, with a pleasant smile and a friendly pat on the back, extend a warm invitation to you to stay in their home behind a locked door with a hot meal and a warm bed. During the course of this meal, you witness something that you've never seen before, a family that actually shows love and respect for each other. They have friends who stop by to share provisions for your journey. They greet one another in the same name of somebody called Jesus. They, some, they pray to God uh, for you, share with you a story of hope, forgiveness of sins, resurrection from the dead, eternal life as a free gift of grace. What a welcome alternative to a seedy local inn. You leave the following morning refreshed, not only in body and mind, but also in soul and spirit. In the next city, you just might seek out this group of men and women called the church. They had a, they had a square, a city square. And people at the end of the day would go to the square. And... And they would hope that somebody would pat them on the back and says, come home with us. That's how it was done. I dare say none of us would go to the courthouse and wait for somebody to take us home. But that's the context of this particular verse. Be sure to show hospitality. But it has a broader meaning. It has a broader thing that we, we need not to be inclusive to ourselves. We need to, it's easy for us to fellowship with one another. Sometimes it's hard to get out of our comfort zone and invite somebody in that doesn't look like us and smell like us and be like us. 
And yet that's what God has asked us to do here. He said, show hospitality. Show hospitality because some, sometimes you might have entertained an angel without knowing it. And he's probably talking about the encounter that Abraham had with the people that showed up at his tent. And he said, come on in. And uh, it was a blessing. It was uh, angels there that uh, later on gave the greeting to Sarah that uh, Isaac would soon be born. But <clears throat> you need to keep an eye out for people who are in trouble. And the next verse picks that up. Look in verse 3. Remember the prisoners as those, as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since yourself have are also excuse me since yourself also are in the body uh, prisoners um, it's uh, it's one of those things people who who have fallen on hard times people who who are uh, or understandably, and again, the context of this particular thing was Roman was in occupation. They would put you in jail for <laughs> anything sometimes. And he says, you yourself have been in that situation. So you need to remember these people that are less fortunate than we are. Um, you've noticed it on TV this through this season. All of a sudden, you were bombarded with... Uh, Everything from giving to the local animal shelter to the advertisements to send $25 to the Christian and Jews and every, every organization uh, that you can think of. Because Christmas is a time of the year that people have uh, a softer heart and when they're looking. But this needs to be for us as God's children, we need to have it all year long. We need to be on the lookout for people who need our help and who need our love. Let love of the brethren continue. Be sure to show hospitality. And watch out for those who are less fortunate than we are. Maybe even some have been mistreated by being placed in prison. Or whatever the circumstances are. So the writer here is going in to this particular thing with with some with some exhortation and and some things that they need to he needed to say <clears throat> in chapter in verse 4 rather he says marriage is to be held in honor among all and the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers God will judge i, I said a while ago that you know the writer was just off the top of his head was was throwing out things, and he came. He came to this thing of marriage. Uh, it's true today. We need to hold marriage in honor uh, <clears throat> in all things. Uh, marriage was kind of loosey goosey uh, at that at that time. Uh, Paul spent a lot of time with marriage in in Corinthians and in Ephesians, and uh, he wanted to. To come back to the fact that uh, one man and one woman forever was God's ideal, and and you don't need unequally yoked together. But if 
if you're married, that's who you are with, and <clears throat> you don't leave them, but you work to bring them into the fold. And uh, <clears throat> marriage is a is a, a great institution. Uh, <clears throat> coming back to my my YouTube watching, uh, um, Chin. What's Chin's life, first name? Um, Chan, what's his first name? Anyway, Francis. Francis thank you, thank you. I was li uh, listening to him the other day, and he was talking about uh, some some of the crazy things that our Mormon friends and Jehovah's Witness friends and these people partake or believe in. And he says, "Well, when I talk to him, I, I tell him my basis for talking to him is this book." He says, "If you can find in this book." Uh, some of the things you're thinking about, I'll listen to you. But if you can't, <laughs> and it, it's, it needs to be in this book. Well, when it comes to marriage, this book is everything, you know. Uh, Jesus was the first uh, women's liberal. We've talked about that and how he, uh, he didn't trust a bunch of men at the resurrection, but he trusted the ladies, you know, and he... He, uh, he, he has always been, been on the side of the ladies. And we men need to treat our wives with respect. And that's what he's saying here in Scripture. He said marriage <clears throat> is, is um, to be held in honor among all. And marriage bed is to be undefiled. And he goes on and says that uh, fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Then he goes into verse 5 and makes sure that your character is free, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever leave you. I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Uh, <clears throat> And we're going to do a little looking here. So that we confi confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. And what will man do to me? Question mark. All right, hold your finger here. And, and let's go to Psalms 37. You all know this scripture, but it's, it's always nice to remember. Psalms is right in the middle of the book. And... Uh, Psalms 37, which is a lot of people's very favorite in the first part of the chapter. And I want you to look at verse 25 or around that. <clears throat> Let's pick it up at verse 23. Psalms 37, verse 23. And the steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Verse 25, I have been old, excuse me, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. All day long he is gracious and lends and his descendants are a blessing. The Lord's going to take care of us, and that's what he says if you look back to he, 
to Hebrews 12, he says, he says, I'm not going to forsake you. I never will. You know, um, it might be through some hard times, and you might have to stretch that that can of pork and beans. But but the Lord is going to help you. And if if the word gets out, we need to to go back to verse two and show hospitality to to those who need. Now let's go back up to that verse in verse five here. Make sure your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. Now Paul said this many times. He says, you know, I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. I think probably in this today, we have stretched the commandment that says, thou shalt not covet. We have almost said, you know, well, <laughs> that applies to somebody else. But we kind of stretch it and says, uh, we compare. <laughs> we don't covet, we just compare, you know, he got a new car. You know, how did they get a new car? I'd like a new car. You see where that ball starts rolling, you know. And, and he says, we need to be content with where we are and what we have. There's a story in Genesis 14, you can start going there if you want to, that we touched on when we were talking about Melchizedek. But we didn't, it, we didn't dwell on it at the time, but it's looking what Abraham did and why he did what he did. And it's another point for us to be content and another point for us to understand what we have and understand that there that there's um, that there's things that you can hang on to. Uh, in verse, let's look up and uh, we'll look at a couple of verses. Verse thirteen. Uh, then a fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. Now he was living under the oaks at Mer, the Amorite brother. Uh, that guy and the brother of that guy and they were uh, alias with Ab allies with Abraham so he went to war he went to war look at verse 17 <laughs> after he returned from the defeat of that guy and the kings who were with him met the king of Sodom and they went to meet him in the valley Verse 18, we did read this, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and how he, uh, he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave them a tenth of all. Now this is where... I want you to, to hang with me. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have swore to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, I will not take a thread or a sandal thong 
or anything that is yours for fear you would say I have made Abram rich I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and share with the men who are with me and he quotes these guys that we read in verse 13 I thought that was really really interesting uh, the king of Salem says you you uh, you take this give me the people you take the spoils and <laughs> Abraham said I'm not going to fall in that trap you'll say I made you rich and it's it's interesting this is what Ray Stedman says about this thing Abraham was in effect saying I will only take what God is content to give me I don't want riches from any other source. If the Christian assumes that, atti that attitude and reasons, if God grants me an increase, fine, I'll take it. But I'm not going to struggle after it. That's not my goal. I will not make the increase of money my purpose for living, for I am content with what I have. This kind of contentment permits us to be naturally uncritical. We do not go around judging those who have more than we have. We are quite content to let God deal with them, for we are content to have God deal with us. Work hard. Do what you know to do. Ask the Lord to bless you. That's all okay. But when you get to where that money is everything you think about and the gaining of money is everything you think about, you're on dangerous ground because you're, you are eliminating the ability for God to bless you. And he will. He will. Now, he might not give you the myriads of money that we see other people having and we start comparing uh, but he's going to take care of us and that's what he was saying here in, in verses 5, 6 uh, 5 and 6 that, that the Lord is going to take care of us we need to honor him in everything we do verse 7 remember those who led you and spoke the word of God to you and considering the results of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we all think about our faith walk, somewhere along the line we come back to a person, somebody who has shared with us as a child, some preacher who preached to us some revival meeting we went to, vacation Bible school we went to, mom and dad told you, but it starts with a person that introduced you to Jesus. <clears throat> and he says, those people that have nurtured you along the way, he says, you need, you need to, uh, to uh, consider them. And Paul, <laughs> he was really bold, he says... Uh, he said, you've seen how I walk? Walk like me. I'm not going to say that to you. <laughs> uh, he says, but you need to look, considering the results of their conduct, what Scripture says here in verse 7, 
considering the works of their conduct, imitate their faith. History has a long time uh, of cleaning things up. Uh, some people that I have looked at through the years, um, uh, I don't appreciate them today quite like I did. Um, turn over just one page to the to the uh, to the right to James uh, one seventeen. Uh, well, it's one page in my Bible. Just James one seventeen. <clears throat> And this is, we studied this when we, when we went through James. Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. The Lord is consistent. He has been, he will be. He is just level all the time. The highs and lows. If you if you hear somebody come back and uh, purport some crazy things like some of our uh, Mormon friends and Jehovah's Witness friends uh, come up with, how in the world can that be? And and he says, watch them. Consider their faith. Consider what they've said. Consider where they are. And he says. Be careful about those particular things. Now, let's hold your finger there, but look up to verse seven, 17 in the same, same chapter here. Uh, the writers had another uh, thought uh, that parallels what we have in 7 and 8. He says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your soul as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So he's having another thought in verse 17. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them. But he also says down here, he says, watch their conduct and intimidate and uh, Conduct and intim imitate their their faith. Thank you, honey. <clears throat> it's you. You don't have to be Jim Jones type thing. That you don't have to have you know <clears throat> blind allegiance to some crazy thing that's coming on. But if they're teaching truth and you've seen it in their lives, follow them and watch them. And, and uh, as he says in verse 17, obey them and submit to them because they're not going to lead you astray. Also, in, in the book of, of James, we have read this in verse three, uh, chapter 3. Let not many of you become teachers, my brother, knowing that as such we will incur <coughs> stricter judgment. I know John and I had this. Art and I have, have this. We... We come before you each Sunday in fear and trembling because you're listening to us and we don't want to lead you astray. And, and we understand that and we'll never knowingly or willingly ever do that. 
uh, we're going to stand behind the scripture. Now, we might come out and say many, many times, I don't know what that means. And uh, <clears throat> we don't know. And we're, we're just parents. We're, we just speak what we've read and what we've studied and what we know uh, has been through uh, truth through the years. So uh, anyway, the writer here in Hebrews, he says, be careful uh, about who you follow. Look at verse 9. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those may be uh, were so occupied were, were not benefited. He says, you know, be careful about who you follow, and that's what I was trying to say. Um, verse 11, uh, for the bodies, excuse me, 10, we have an altar for which those who served the tabernacle had no right to eat. For the bodies of the animals whose blood is brought into the holy place, uh, the high priest as an offering for sin and <clears throat> burned outside the camp. Uh, turn back real quick to chapter 10 uh, and we'll look at one or two verses. I thought I was going to have plenty of time and it looks like I'm running out. And he says, for the law was a, a shadow uh, of things to come. And he wraps it up in verse 4. For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And we went, we went through all this when we studied the 10th chapter. Okay, back to, back to uh, verse uh, 12 in chapter 13. Therefore, Jesus, uh, that he might be... Uh, sanctify the people th through his own blood. Verse 13, so let us go out to him outside the camp for his reproach. Again, going back to chapter 10, looking at verse 19. Um, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. Um, verse 22, let us draw near with a sincere heart with full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. <clears throat> then in verse 15 he goes on and and if you do you remember I'll go there right quick in Micah 6 uh, uh, we we had some leaders teach our kids about um, Micah 6 during uh, Bible school uh, several years ago, but it's, it's, uh, it's the scripture that we know. Um, what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings or yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Has he told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Now look at verse 15 uh, back in chapter 13. And he says, Through him then let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that gives thanks to him. Here this idea of gratitude and thanks comes back and back again. 
and do not neglect doing good or sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased he doesn't care about our worship and all about the things we do but he does care about our praise to him uh, many people have written, you know, you get all hung up on, on yourself, you know, you start praising the Lord and, and you'll have a different outlook. You come with gratitude to what he's done for you and how he has blessed you and uh, it will be, it will change your life. Uh, he said, a sacrifice of praise to God. Uh, we, we, we've compared the Lord and to our earth, earthly fathers, you know, when we, we want obedience, he wants obedience. We've said this time and time again, and it's, it's when, when we hear uh, from our children, you know, uh, how you doing, what can I do for you, and the help that we get from our own children, it's a pleasing thing. And this is the same thing. The Lord wants us to thank him and to please him and to ask him and to fellowship with him. Uh, through him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Then in verse 20, 20 and 21, he closes out uh, the book with this benediction. Uh, it's, it's one of several in Scripture that are very good. Now the God of peace, who brought us up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Christ. Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, the God of peace who brought you up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep. Uh, real quickly, go to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Chapter 10. This is a great passage you need to just understand. Um, it's the parable of the good shepherd, and there's a, a lot there, but just let's just go to verse 11 of John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them and flees because he is a hired hand and not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own knows me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. That's what he's saying here, back to verse 20 in, in, in uh, Hebrews 13. Now the God of all peace, who brought you up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. He winds up 
the chapter with verse 25. Uh, grace be with you all. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, Hebrews, 13 chapters in 22 weeks. <laughs> but anyway, I, it's a great book. And I, I, hope, I hope something we've said, you know, has, uh, has uh, increased your faith. Next week we'll go to Genesis and then ultimate into uh, into um, uh, Exodus, and uh, we'll see some things in Exodus uh, about strengthening our faith. It's the uh, Exodus really gets down to the nitty gritty where we see the Messiah Jesus uh, as portrayed in the Old Testament. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you for these people. And we ask that you'd go with us and bless us. Because it's in your name we ask it. The name above all names. The name of Jesus. Amen.